0: Every changeling is unique, and thus, every attempt to categorize them can only ever result in vague generalizations. Sure, all beasts have some manner of animal features, be it real or fantastic, but so can ogres or darklings. A pharist could be as beautiful and radiant as the sun, thus easily mistaken for an elemental, or as terrifying and regal as a fire-breathing dragon. Seemings can be used as a sort of general rule of thumb. Your seeming describes what you were doing when you were in Arcadia, how your durance shaped you, and what manners of contracts you learned to wield during this time. It's how you coped, it's how you adapted, and it's how you escaped. The beast is a sensuous creature of instinct and the now. During their durance, there was no room for lofty ideals or philosophical thoughts. Whether out of necessity or by force, these human concepts were torn from their minds and replaced with a primal mindset and the primal wants. For years they were an animal, and now, having returned to our world, the beast struggles with laws, rules, and forethought. A beast shaves under obligations, regulations, and societal expectations. Instead, they prefer freedom and independence. And many are the beasts who find themselves, secretly and with great shame, wishing back to the simpler times of the wilds of Arcadia. The Darkling exemplified the adage Whoever fights monsters should see to it that in the process he does not become a monster himself. And if you gaze long enough into an abyss, the abyss will gaze back into you. The Darklings were not taken to Arcadia to enjoy a life of luxury or freedom, but rather to be exposed to unspeakable horrors, punishing riddles or dark secrets best left untouched. And over time, they began to take on these traits to protect themselves. Or perhaps they simply realized they had more in common with these twisted nightmares than the humans they once were. Insubstantial and wispy, the Darklings are the masters of secrets, the untraceable sneak, the mask of a thousand faces. They spent years in their durance picking apart the seemingly endless mysteries of Arcadia for their keeper. They are the ones who know, and if they don't, then it's simply not worth knowing. The elemental, much like the beast, became something less, yet at the same time more, when they entered Arcadia. Capricious, unbendable by any but their masters, and bend them that true fay did. They harnessed the flame, directed the wind, or instructed their purpose so wholly that there was no need or room for independent thought, reason, emotions, sympathy. All gone. Free of mortal concerns, given boundless power, yet locked up chained, sworn to do only what they were tasked with, a roaring inferno locked into a lantern, a playing breeze harnessed by windmills, or a clockwork soldier placed to guard a room never visited. Now that they are free, the Elementals struggle with being told what to do, with being given directions. An Elemental is their own master, and they despise being told how bright they may burn, or how much destruction they may cause. The fairest were given the best treatment possible, at least if you ask the other Seemings. They were pampered, dressed in beautiful clothes, given only the finest food and wines to sustain them. They were the apple in their keeper's eyes, the lover they showed off to other true Fae at court. The knight in shining armor who always stood by their side, loyal and quiet. And sure, that's one side of the story. But what those other changelings didn't see was the endless abuse the unreasonable demands, the scorn. The Fairest were never the equals to their Keeper, and the True Fae made sure to remind them of that. They were made to be used at their master's leisure, and discarded when they were no longer interesting or relevant. An empty thing, a puppet, not a person. Ultimately, the Fairest decided to be a person. They used all they had learned to escape Arcadia, And now, they live no longer as slaves to another's whims and wishes. Others might see the fairest as self-absorbed or unruly, but when they speak, others listen. Most fairest tend to be natural leaders, role models, inspirations. It's as if all that which was kept under lid now explodes out of them. Suddenly, they are in charge, and they'll be damned before they hurt or exploit their new friends like their own keepers did. They say that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and the ogres proved that. Twisted into a gruesome monster, the ogre grew ever stronger, ever more cruel, with every lash of their keeper's whip. Theirs was not the role of a shining knight or a crusader, but rather the thing in the cellar, the troll under the bridge, the gristle grinder who ate the flesh of the unwary children who angered their masters. Until one day, the ogre could no longer bear it. Something, or someone, reminded them of who they once were, and they fled back to our world. Using their massive strength and tremendous endurance, they tore a path through the hedge, letting nothing stop them, until they once more stood on asphalt between streetlights. The ogre has trouble fitting in, in a world where societal niceties mean that the strongest don't always make the rules. They can't help but impose themselves on others, but their conscience weigh heavily on their mind, the pain they inflicted etched forever into their hearts. The wizened are the fixers, the tinkerers, the engineers. Whether it be keeping the garden pristine and perfect, or to bring the dead soldiers of their keepers back to life through experimental science or just plain old magic, there is always a wizened there to make sure it is done. Eternal problem solvers and busybodies, the wizened were promised freedom if only. And the if only, even though it seemed easy enough in the beginning, only grew more and more complex as their keeper ensured that the laws of reason and logic never got in the way of them keeping their priced mechanic around for another couple of years. With so many stipulations and hidden truths, the wizard grew distrustful and cynical, realizing quickly that they were never going to be let free. They learned to spot unwelcome surprises, learned to predict mood swings, and changes that would hinder their work. And then one day, they saw the opening, and without stopping to think, they broke free, and miraculously made it through the hedge. But Faye had taken so much from them. Their innocence, their sense of trust, their sense of accomplishment. Wizen't always expect the worst outcome, too used to disappointment. But even so, they toil and toil, driven on by that desire to create and improve everything around them. Changeling who flee Arcadia often wind up in one of the many freeholds of the world, small gatherings of like-minded refugees who realize they're stronger together. These freeholds, in turn, are ruled by different courts, the most common ones, at least in the US, being the Courts of Seasons. The seasonal courts simultaneously represent both the passing of the year each season handing over the reins of the Freehold when their time is over, but also the four different stages of grief, as described in the Kubler-Ross model, bearing acceptance. Spring is the season of denial. Finally free from the yoke of tyranny, these changelings celebrate life and desire, refusing to be defined by the scars of their durance. Just as how life triumphs over the cold of winter, so too does the Antler Crown deny the power their keepers have over them. They are free to enjoy life on their terms, no longer defined by what the true Fae wishes. Summer is the time of wrath. Anger directed both at their kidnappers, but also themselves. The Changeling who belonged to the Iron Spear wastes no time preparing for the inevitable return of the others. They train with weapons, they send out scouting parties, they harden themselves against trickery and weakness. They do everything in their power to ensure that when the true fey come again, they will never be able to hurt them. As autumn comes, so too do the days grow darker, and fear takes root in every changeling's heart. And by embracing their fey nature, by truly understanding it, the changeling of the leaden mirror seek to bargain with the weird to gain more understanding of what it is they truly fear. Changeling of the autumn court are scholars, wizards and assassins, preparing for any eventuality and educating their fellow changeling in how to best fight their enemy. And finally, winter is the season of sorrow, of depression. You can't get the years taken from you back, you can't become human again, and you can't stop the Fae from sending their huntsmen after you. The Silent Arrow knows it's best to just hide and remember. Remember the pain, remember the loss and the humility. Don't ever forget what you lost, because then you will forget what was done to you, and then they may catch you unaware again. Find strength in it. But do not succumb to inaction or ennui, because soon spring will come, and with it, life anew. In my next episode, I will discuss the true Fae and the tools they have at their disposal to get their playthings back. But until then, I would like to thank my loyal neonates and the Ancilla Edward Reed. And thank you. Thank you for listening. Now keep your chin up. The worst is over you're free.